the main scripture we're going to go through the last two weeks, like we had Matthew six and then we had second Timothy four. This one is going to be the most normally that I'll jump around. We're going to actually cover a few scriptures, but the main meat of it is going to be Exodus 15. So if you need a Bible, I'm sure James will get you a Bible. Um, otherwise open your Bibles, turn on your phones, wherever your Bible is, go to Exodus 15 it's going to be kind of a long reading, but we'll be good. Anybody need a Bible? Right on. Agnes needs the red one because the print is better. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, James. <laughs> Right on. Okay, so I'm going to read through this first, and then we'll actually kind of veer away from it, but we'll come back to it in the end, I hope. So Exodus 15, uh, and would you guys stand with me for the reading of the word? Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has, come, has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast in this, into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemies in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath that consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like in a heap. The, the depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fear, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You, in your mercy, have led forth the people whom you've redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia, then the chiefs of Adam will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your, that's Siri. Don't worry about that. <laughs> by the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Still your people pass over. O Lord till, till the people pass over whom you have purchased, you will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance in in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for a, a new day that you've given us, another day. And as we come to the close of it, we ask still that you would be filling us to overflowing, that we could be ministering to one another. I ask, Father God, that 
this evening as we dive into your word to look for why we do what we do as believers, as we look to the example that you've set in scripture, that, that all eyes would focus on Jesus, that at the end of this, we would all walk away being drawn to Jesus, feeling a little closer, feeling we have a little bit better understanding of Christ as we live his life here on the earth, as he has paid our debt. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us and for paying that debt, Lord Jesus, that we can be in right standing, talking to the Father. I ask Holy Spirit that you would speak through me, a broken vessel that's only standing here because of the blood of Jesus Christ, that I can read this living word. Lord, would you help us as we study this together and that ministry would happen tonight, not just from this pulpit, but Lord, ministry would happen as we're a family, opening up your word together, praying together and worshiping together, Lord. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I'm saying, we've been unpacking the why we do what we do. So we had why we pray, which is if this is your first night as well, you're going to see this is uh, maybe this won't be your typical service that we um, everything we do in this service is purposeful and there's no filler. So I encourage you as you come on Sunday nights to engage from beginning to end. That as we open up the word together, that we would study. And then as we break apart and intercede for one another and pray for one another and bear each other's burdens through prayer and bear the burdens of the church and our community through prayer, that we would all engage together, that we would take communion together and remember, which is one topic we haven't covered yet, and that we would ultimately come back together at the end and we would worship together, which is what we're going to study tonight is why we sing. So the passages are going to be going over. If you want to write them down or get ahead of me and just get the, the verses saved is Colossians three sixteen, uh, Ephesians five, 18 through 19. And then obviously Exodus 15. And we'll come back to that. You guys ever have uh, I know I have this in my own life, but my dad's favorite. Do you guys know Stephen Curtis Chapman? All right, good. So I'm always worried if I have an analogy that just dies, then I have to just abandon it and make one up on the spot. So my dad was a humongous Stephen Curtis Chapman fan. And so I think it was one of his first records. The single off it was The Great Adventure is the Saddle Up Your Horses. Saddle up your horses. We got a trip. My dad loved that song. Uh, So for me... Anytime if I hear that song and it's, it could just be like the first couple notes. I hear the first couple notes and I'm sure we each have one of these. I was toying with the idea of just playing a bunch of random like songs and hoping that some of them triggered you guys, but it would just take too much time. Um, so I'll give you my experience is that the first few notes of that, like he doesn't have to sing. I just hear the intro and doesn't it, doesn't music have this thing where it takes you to a place and like you experience feelings all over again, you you can see the place you are so vividly. It's it's amazing this this gift of music that we have that you don't have to be a believer, you don't have to be a Christian to see it. But it's one of those things that we we see in the world and we see a God that created and a designer who created us in a way that we have this thing of music that does so much more for us than I think we really give it credit for or really think about. If you guys ever, there's funny videos online, you should check them out, but it's movies where they've taken the music out of the movie, but they've left everything else in. So a funny one is uh, Rocky, the original Rocky. 
And so his whole, you know, the, what is the song? Dun, 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 that whole thing. So his whole training, <laughs> the whole training part of that movie, they've taken that music out and watched that segment of that movie. It is the most boring thing you've ever seen. It's just a dude in sweats running around for, it feels like 30 minutes straight. And then he runs up to the top of the thing and raises his hands. There's a, what was another hilarious one? I think they did it to um, Star Wars. So it's like you have the Darth Vader theme music. And so they have um, scenes where they're not playing that music. And it's amazing how much is lost without the music. But how many of us think about the music. We, we don't really think about it. And how often are we actually listening to music and not even realizing it? You know, it's, it's everywhere. You're, it's in an elevator. It's, it's, it's to a place where I'm, I'm constantly telling Dave on a Sunday morning, if there's music not playing as you guys are coming in, it just feels weird. It's like there's something about music that speaks to us. And so tonight, I'm, I hope to unpack a little bit um, through the word of what why we actually sing and, and the making of music, but also uh, an understanding of music as God has made us, um, how he's naturally made us to respond to music, and then how we can see examples of that in scripture. And as we look at those together, it will then point us to kind of our role in singing as a congregation. So I'm, I'm hoping to take these two things and bring them together and we can clearly see why, when we gather together on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, on a Wednesday night, whenever, is that, oh, this is why we sing together. This isn't time that we kill so that the pastor can get here and that he has time to think. This isn't time that we kill so that people can show up late. Like, it's the 20-minute buffer. There's a real reason why we do this. So we're going to unpack this. So the first one I want to go through as we get through is Colossians 3.16. And really, Colossians 3.16, and then if, if you've already gone to Ephesians 5.18, they're very, very similar if you've already gotten ahead of me. So Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So that's Paul's letter to the Colossians. And then Ephesians 5.18 says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dispensation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So we see that same ending. So Paul's giving this charge to multiple churches in, in multiple letters. So what's happening here? What's happening when we sing? First and foremost, you can see just from that, from the directive that Paul is giving to the church is we're just in obedience. As this is something that has been placed in God's word, Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.18 are in your Bible. So therefore, it's something that we can take as ultimate truth. We're just being obedient. So it, this is like the, I would say this very first point is like when I tell, uh, I haven't unpacked anything for you, but this is just the, when like my daughter asked me why, and I say, because I told you so. So this is that first one. This is just the very blatant parent. Why do we sing? Because God said so. So that's it. Okay. Now go to your room. Uh, the secondly, then I know we, we want to be obedient, but as I want to go through this, I want to give us then reasons. Cause what's, we all know this is that, that through scripture, God's word is not a set of rules just to wear us down, but it's God's rule is freedom as we follow him. And so as a good father does, as he gives us, 
direction and we desire to obey our father, then as we obey, we see the fruit thereof from obedience. Does that make sense? That as we go through and we follow, and maybe at first we don't totally understand, but we, we follow in obedience. Then as we gain understanding, we go, that's why God said this before, because he was keeping me from this pain or veering off this way. So that's our first one is just obedience. Secondly, it's an indication of the word dwelling in us and the spirit filling us. So in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. So the singing is coming from the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. So as the word is living in us and active in us and dwelling in us richly, then we know that this is going to be a natural outpouring of that indwelling is that singing together. And right now I'm hoping as we go through this will sound less scary, but understand what it's saying is that when we come together, how is it saying that we minister to one another through song? Is that amazing? Is that he's, he's telling us, Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. How can we, with that charge, how can we miss out on corporate worship? When that's the direct thing that we're called to is that what's what ministers to our brothers and sisters when we gather together, how can we miss out? Cause that's the whole point. Does that make sense? And then also we see it's the natural indwelling of the spirit. When you go to Ephesians five eighteen, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit speaking to other Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody. So as the spirit is dwelling in us, then that's the natural outpouring as well, that we're ministering to one another and we're doing it through Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we'll unpack why, why was that the mode? Why was that the mode that the Lord chose for us to minister to each other? Next, which I think this is one that we all understand, but we glorify God through doing it. So this vertical worship of singing is directed at our father in heaven as we glorify him. But then the way it works in God's economy is that whenever we are glorifying our father in heaven, it always has a, our vertical relationship always, always has a horizontal effect. So my life as a believer stepping outside of just the topic of singing, my life as a believer will never simply be me glorifying God on my own is that he is designed it to her. As I glorify the father, I can't help, but then affect my brothers and sisters horizontally. So I can't help, but affect those around me. We are saved individually, but we are called to a corporate life with the body. So as you, as we worship, God's glorified, but we also minister uh, to each other. And then we also see um, in Acts 16, 25, you guys all know this. This is Paul and Silas in the prison. And what are they doing in prison? They're singing, singing praise. They're singing hymns with each other. And it, they weren't surrounded by a bunch of believers, but what happened? Yeah, they were convicted that the, the, the jail cells opened up. The jailer was going to kill himself because all the prisoners could leave, but nobody left. So we don't, I don't think we, as a culture, we, we think this way that the power of, of music and, and I don't even, I don't want to like go down a road where I start to sound like, 
I don't even know what the right word, like hippie wacky, but it's, it's, it's how the Lord has designed music and how we as natural created beings, he's created us to interact with it, that he would choose. I don't, I don't know if we would picture this today that us singing together corporately. So we come together, we start glorifying God we're, we're focused on him and giving him praise. We have a, a horizontal effect on each other. And then that itself, that, that community. So Paul and Silas were a contrast community of two in jail that then has an effect on the lost as people who then see the power of the spirit living and active in people. And as I've said in the last two, there's probably going to be a recurring theme as I teach is they see the kingdom. They see a contrast people that's living outside the kingdom of this world. They're living for another kingdom and they're drawn to it. And this Holy spirit unveils eyes. So it's, it's a witnessing tool that we have that we reach out to a lost community. So those are some quick bullet points going through, but what I really want to unpack and show you our point in history in church history through this is in back at Exodus 15, the long one we read through. So I just want to give you a quick backstory on Exodus 15 and then we'll jump off from there. So this is um, the Israelites have been in Egypt for a couple centuries and they're thriving. This is God has, uh, this is going back in Genesis. God has promised that he will bless the nations through Abraham. Right. And then you have, um, trace that down to then the Israelites are living in Egypt through Joseph. Remember Joseph was appointed the Pharaoh appointed him. So he, he rose up in rank and then they've, they've multiplied in Egypt. So now, uh, the Israelites are thriving. Pharaoh doesn't like that. So then Pharaoh enslaves all the Israelites. Right. So then we know how that story goes. Um, one, Quick side note, quick rabbit trail. I don't have much time, but is that Moses, the first, the first time that we see the typology or the pointing to of Jesus Christ is when Moses was supposed to be killed as a baby, the same as Jesus was supposed to be killed as a baby. So that's like our first hint uh, at Jesus being the greater Moses. So we can look back at Moses and we can start to, as their lives go on, we can see this story being told. So Moses is supposed to be killed. Uh, story of Moses, I'll just fly through that. Moses comes back to Egypt, and then that's when they have the 10 plagues, right? And then the last plague is uh, the Passover is where we get the Passover, where they had to put the lamb's blood on the doorpost and on the sides. So again, that's pointing towards Christ as the spotless lamb, as we're covered with the lamb. So then they get to where Pharaoh says, fine, he's just, he's been beaten to a pulp by the Lord. So he says, get out of here, take your people out of here. And so Israel flees, they cross the red sea and then they see, they look back. So I know I read a lot. I don't want to read through it again, but that song Exodus 15 that we read through, that was the song they sang as they saw the Lord set them free from Pharaoh. And they saw, like, if you read through it, it's kind of brutal. It's not what we would, we wouldn't picture it as like a church worship song. If you read through it again, now knowing that story, they talk about seeing, seeing the army of Pharaoh dead, seeing the army of Pharaoh, like washed up on the shore is seeing them vanquished. And so this is the response to what, what they're saying through all this. If I can sum up the song is they're saying that the Lord has 
the, the Lord is our King. That's really the summary. The Lord is our King that they, the thing that enslaved them has now been first, it was destroyed by the Lord. And then secondly, they're declaring, so he's our King. He's the one that we're living for. And we're going to be this contrast people under him. And then soon after that, the Lord takes them to Mount Sinai, or then he draws up basically that covenant with them. Like they're going to be the contrast people. So are you guys tracking with me? So that is like the victory claim right there in Exodus 15. The first song we see in the Bible is God's people declaring that the Pharaoh, the thing that enslaved them has been crushed and they've now been set free. Now we flash forward all the way to revelation and we see in revelation 15, So we've passed through our time. And so now we're looking in the future. So we just went back from Exodus, the first song in the scripture, and we're going to go past our current time to now the last song in scripture. And can anybody guess what song it is that we see in Revelation 15? It's the song of Moses and the song of the lamb. So it says in Revelation 15 that they'll, we're, we're being led in song Jesus is going to be leading us in song and they're going to be singing the song of Moses, which is the song in Exodus 15 and the song of the lamb, which then you can read right there in revelation 15, the, the song of the lamb. And so we're seeing this full circle of God's people in, in Exodus 15 being freed from what enslaved them. The, the greatest power on earth at the time that the world had ever seen at that time was Pharaoh So the greatest world power at the time was destroyed. God's people were set free and he was their reigning king. And then we see full circle, Jesus, the greater Moses who comes and he is going to ultimately set his people free. He's going to destroy the greatest evil of our day. He's going to vanquish it. We will see our enemies scattered and then we will see our enemies destroyed and we will be singing the song of Moses as singing just as they did that the Lord is our King and he'll be the only King. It's this, this full circle. And so what we're doing now, there's a, a, along with a lot of other stuff. So I'm flying through singing, but I, I hope to just spark your interest with the role that corporate singing has in the church, in the Christian faith, that then you would go and do more studying. This isn't, this isn't all of it. I'm not touching on the Psalms. I'm not touching on after Jesus took the last supper. We see in Matthew and Mark that he sang a Psalm after the last supper before then hours later, he'd be crucified. There is song that I was saying before is marking moments in scripture. And we are in that period of history where we're, we're after Exodus 15, but we're still not yet to revelation 15. And so we have a role to play of singing and carrying it on. You see later, there's another song of Moses that you'll find in Deuteronomy. Uh, I didn't write it down, but it speaks of the, um, of how song causes us to remember. And it was actually a charge against the people. So Moses is about to die. He's going to hand it over to Joshua and the Lord gives Moses a song to teach the people of Israel. And it's brutal. It's, it's like, is 
you're going to betray me. You're going to leave me. You're not going to serve me. And then this is what's going to fall upon you. And it's a song of like prophecy of what's about to happen. And this is the reason the Lord tells Moses to teach it to him so that their kids, kids, so that they will remember it. So as <clears throat> generations go by that this song, this little motif, this little music line that's being passed down through generations that it, they're going to remember. He's using it as a memory device that this is, this is what happens when you live outside. When, when I've offered to be your King and you've decided to live for another King and you're wondering why life is going, falling apart. And all of a sudden, like you're going to hear maybe three notes and you're going to remember, Oh, the song of Moses in Deuteronomy. So I would encourage you to read that. There's a, how many of you have seen, this is going to be a major jump. How many of you guys have seen Monsters, Inc.? Nice. Okay. Again, analogy that it needed to work. So here's something cool outside of scripture that hopefully you can see how, hopefully I can open your eyes a little bit to music and how it just functions and what it can do for us. And then, like I was saying, those two things can come together. So um, I'll, I'll say motif, but in music, there's um, reoccurring lines. So you can have, uh, I should have, I won't do it on the guitar because it's like string orchestra, but there's motifs to where there's like a theme. There's a thematic thing. Like if you've watched uh, um, like Gladiator or any of the Pirates of the Caribbean it's the same composer does it all. And they sound really similar. He's got like a distinct fingerprint in his music. Well, that can actually be used as a device for not only memory, but it's used as a, as a device to mark moments for us. And the, the world uses this maybe better than we do as the church. And it challenges me as a worship pastor to really like figure out how to step my game up and use it. So in monsters Inc, if you want to like go through and dissect the movie, so the first time, so Sully's the big blue monster, right? And then Boo is the little girl that, if you never saw the movie, this is going to sound super weird as I walk through this movie. Um, so the first time Sully sneaks into the room and sees, he, he's, he's, trying not, he's trying to get Boo to go back to bed. And so as she falls asleep, if you listen to the music, there's a motif that you hear. There's a, there's a line that the strings do that you don't know it and you probably never knew it till right now marked, put a marker in your brain. And so then the movie keeps going. And then the next time you guys remember, so like she attaches to him and she gets back out in the monster world and he's trying to hide her or whatever. And then Sully's supposed to be this big, bad monster. And so he goes into their training thing and she sneaks in. So anyway, by accident, as he's scaring something else, he scares her and they have this moment where they lock eyes. And at that same moment, you, you don't know it, but that motif played again. And it marked in your brain the first time they met when Sully was trying to put her to sleep. And now that same thing happened and Sully just broke her heart because he scared her. Now she's, now he's a scary monster monster to her. And so then the movie goes on and on and on. And then they, they have the whole adventure or whatever. And then Sully finally gets her back into her bed to where it seems like the end of the movie, like I got, you, got her back into her room and then they're going to destroy the door that lets them into the human world. And when he puts her to bed, what do you think happens? Motif happens again. You hear the same line again. So it's, you have these markers 
these markers that are marking their relationship. And we don't know it, but it's happening. The composer for that movie is, is marking in your brain so that you, that these emotions are building and building and building. And then at the end, Mike Wazowski, the little green eyeball guy puts the door back together so that Sully can see her one more time. And I think, yeah, the movie ends like he walks in. That's like just the end of the movie. And you just see his face light up. You don't see her, but how does the movie end with the motif? So we see it's these, these, it, it marks time and history for us and it, it's these emotional markers for us that we can remember that, that point us back to a feeling, point us back to a truth, point us back to an experience. And what's cool is we haven't seen the end of our story yet. We haven't seen the end of the movie that, that we're in. And so it started in Exodus 15 where that motif played. And then it's happened throughout the church, throughout church history. The church keeps declaring that the, I mean, um, you can summarize it in, and they did just the first part. I will sing unto the Lord for he is triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider is thrown into the sea. That's the motif that the enemy was vanquished, that God's our King. And then it happens throughout church history. And it's our role now to be singing that again, encouraging each other because we're, we're not just filling time, but we're pointing to something that happened. We're pointing back to the faithfulness of the Lord and encouraging our brothers and sisters that that would trigger in them to remember back to what the Lord has done. And at the same time, we're playing that motif for each other, pointing forward to what the Lord is going to do, pointing forward to the, to the end of the movie. That's going to be awesome. We're pointing forward to the climax of Jesus coming and vanquishing our enemies and vanquishing all the, the, the sin that entangles us, the, everything that tries to enslave us. And he's going to be our ultimate king, the only king reigning on the earth. And it's all happening through this device of music. And so tonight, I, I really hope that maybe you haven't thought of music that deeply. Um, I know some of us are predisposed to music more than others, but it's something that we have to work at. Uh, just because something harder is easy doesn't mean that we engage or we don't engage, but we look to scripture of, of how we're to live. And if it's hard, we, we go for it. And so I hope through this that singing and mu- musical worship um, took on a new meaning for you, uh, the importance of it as we do it together as a family. I hope it sparked your interest that you uh, open up your Bibles during the week and study on your own read through. It's, it's really awesome to see how it happens through scripture, but all of this, everything we do ultimately, um, singing the same thing as, as I prayed in the beginning, it should point us to Christ. Everything should be pointing to our King who is coming, who is, who is going to reign. Who's the one who we remember every week we take communion and you guys will have time to take it by yourselves. Every week we take communion in remembrance of the one who makes it possible that we're even here, that we have any hope at all because we had a debt that we would never be able to pay. But Jesus came and lived the life that we should have lived and died the debt that we should have died. So we can be sitting here communing together, opening up his word and having it live and have a hope in tomorrow, have a hope in a future, knowing that he has, has paid that debt that we can never pay. And in doing so, 
we mimic Christ in the, in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup, his body broken, his blood shed. And we also mimic Christ through prayer as we've unpacked that we intercede for each other up on these tables. If this is your first time here, both these tables are full of prayer requests from our family, our body, our brothers and sisters here. Um, These are people, these are real people that are hurting with real situations. And so as a family, on Sunday nights, this is what we do. And this is why I'm taking time to go through, unpack each one of these topics. On Sunday nights, we engage in it. So we're going to take the next 20 minutes and we're going to pray together. And you can, um, the room is yours. This is family. This is a living room. I want us to get out of the rut of feeling like we have to, like we come to service, we sing a couple songs, we sit in a seat, and then we leave. I want this to be a family. I want us to feel comfortable with each other. So if you're not comfortable with praying, there's also some uh, bulletins up here. You can just flip this thing around. There's some pens up here. And just last week I told everyone, just write three things you're thankful for and three things that you're struggling with right now. Three things that are, are painful in life. Three things that you want prayer for. And just take that as a baby step. But otherwise, let's break up together. Use the room. Break these chairs up if you want to. We've already set up some chairs. But this is time where we take 20 minutes. You can pray by yourself. You can pray with two people. You can pray with 10 people. It doesn't matter. We're a family. But we're going to get together. Let's cover these people in prayer. I'll also have some stuff up on the screens of just some community stuff that need prayer. But as we gather together as a family, this is something that we do uh, as a family, as, as I've been teaching tonight on singing, this isn't just an individual thing. This isn't something that I'm just trying to encourage you to, you should sing more for your own sake, though. That's good. You should pray more for your own sake, though. That's good. These are these sacred events that we do as a family. We, we dive into the word together we pray together, we take communion together, and we sing together. In doing those four, we fulfill the fifth and over-encompassing thing of we commune together, the gathering together of the saints to be the contrast people that this rest of the week we're going to go back out into our lives and live as the contrast people. So you guys with me? It's 20 minutes of prayer, 20 minutes of just laboring together, being a family Pray through whatever you want, but let's cover these things in prayer. And then I'm actually, Mike is gone, um, but don't tell him, but I'm kind of thankful in a way because as I was doing this study, I really wanted to lead in worship because as I unpack singing, it's like, I really want to lead worship tonight. So I'm going to wear two hats tonight. And so I'll gather us back together and we're going to sing some songs together and do everything that I just taught. Amen. Let me pray and we'll break up. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for how you've designed us and how you've wired us. And, and I still feel like we're still discovering just all the gifts that you've given us. Lord, as we talk with you, just as your kids calling you father, bringing before you our cares, our worries, things that are going on in our lives or things that are going on in the lives of our family members. Lord, would you bend your ear to us as I know you are as a a loving father? As we pray to you, as you're our hope, would you take any anxiety that we have from us? Lord, would you give us a heart for each other and give us a heart for your church that we would pray living not simply for ourselves and praying for our own comforts in this life, but we would live praying 
for our family, for the body of Christ that your church would be taken care of. Lord, if there's any here that are just nervous about praying, I ask that you would walk, gently just walk them through praying. Show them what a loving father you are. Use me, use, use us here as a family to walk people through and draw them into the family. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.